0: Equal Housing Lender. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024. U.S. Bank
3: put in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Do you really want to sell stocks after the worst day for the averages in two years? Does it make sense to bail on the market when the Dow just plunged 1,032 points, S P plummeted 3.35% and the Nasdaq nosedived 3.71%? Is that the right thing to do? Or should we treat this meltdown like a viable pullback? Honestly, honestly, it depends on five factors. So let's check them down. One, do you have enough cash to buy something in the weakness, or do you need to borrow money to make that happen? If you don't have a decent amount of cash on the sidelines, you shouldn't do any buying here. If anything, maybe do some selling the next time you get a moment of strength so you'll be prepared for the next big down day. History, by the way, suggests we could bounce tomorrow. So maybe take advantage of that lift. Do some selling. This problems is not going away. Two, look at your bank account. Do you need that money in the near term, say the next 12 to 18 months? If you don't think you'll need it and you haven't bought anything yet, then I think it makes plenty of sense to start putting that cash to work, but only if the market gets hit again. Do not buy a rally, please. Get a rally, you missed it. It's okay. Three, you need to recognize that there might be more bad news ahead that could take us to still lower levels. We still aren't oversold by any means, it's hardly down at all. So while we just had the worst session in two years, it's very difficult to call this a tremendous buying opportunity, especially given all that frothy action last week. Fourth, do you mind getting the bare minimum return from a certificate of deposit, CD? If so, I can't really help. You don't need me. Otherwise, I suggest coming in tomorrow if it's down and buying utility ETF or dividend ETF, because even if the stocks are high, anything with a good yield is a bargain versus the incredibly low rates you're getting from bonds. Fifth, ask yourself, do you mind owning individual stocks? The best values here are in individual stocks, not the indices, because the indices are experiencing torrential selling, if not a meltdown. It takes the good down with the bad. We're going to have a couple of good ones later in the show. You'll know what I mean. Now, once you ask yourself those five questions, then yes, for some people, it may make sense to start picking at beaten down stocks, especially if they keep falling. I am in the camp for my charitable trust that you should be picking, and you can follow what I do by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. We're in shape, 20% cash, ready to do some buying. Which stocks are bargains in this market? Which ones are too toxic to touch? I need to emphasize again that the big risk from the coronavirus outbreak has to do with interrupted supply chains and a concomitant business slowdown worldwide. The Chinese government has imposed the largest quarantine in human history on its own people, and it turns out that American businesses, we now learned, are far too dependent on Chinese manufacturing for some really essential stuff. By the way, I'm very worried about pharmaceuticals. I mean, they make the majority, or at least the ingredients. That means we have to be careful. You don't want to buy something that's about to have its supply lines cut. Let me give you some examples. Now, anyone who watches this show knows that I, 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 you know, Apple to me is a terrific company, terrific stock. But I can't recommend buying it at this very moment because I think you could have more downside. I think some analysts could turn against it. Again. Instead, I expect analysts to start downgrading the stock once supply chain worries. Not to mention lost Chinese business, and that'll be your chance. Hey, by the way, we've gone over the component suppliers endlessly that I told you that I'm nervous about: SiriusLogic, Logic, Skyworks Solution, NXP, Semi, Qualcomm. Uh, those are in the blast zone. And their stocks are not yet low enough to be worth picking at. They all rallied after phase one was agreed to in the trade war with China. Travel and leisure, is are still going to be under enormous pressure. Today was really day one of the accentuated weakness in Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and Norwegian cruise lines. How the heck were those cruise stocks able to stay so high last week? After the tragic corona outbreak on Carnival's Diamond Princess, which turns out to be, of course, really maybe the worst thing that's happened in this whole epidemic. I'll say it again, you don't want to be stuck on a cruise ship in the middle of a pandemic. The numbers have to come down. I have no doubt that cruise traffic will eventually make a comeback, but think about it. It it, it took Chipotle, a fantastic company, 18 months to recover from its last big healthcare scare. I mean, the scare was terrible. It was in December of a couple years It took 18 months from when they had it. It was up in Boston, remember? So why should the cruise lines be any different? Give them 18 months, for heaven's sake. Meanwhile, the casinos with lots of exposure to Macau sold to you. I mean, the Chinese gambling havens, they're nightmares. Think Win, Las Vegas sands. But on the other hand, What's being brought down with them? Because it's part of the industry's Penn National. That's a much more domestic operator. It could be very good, especially now it's got partnership with Barstool and a lot of people talking about the NFL and gambling. How about the airlines? Man, air traffic will be down so much that you need to expect another round of estimate cuts that will take the stock still lower. I wouldn't touch a hotel name here, especially the hotels with lots of exposure to China or Chinese tourists. Those all need to be sold even with their stocks already down a great deal. Practically anything travel-related is just bad news. Until this weekend, I didn't see nearly as much risk in going to, say, Milan. I went there last week for Fashion Week. Same week as this this week. It was fantastic. It is a huge global tourist destination. In fact, Milan Fashion Week has become the vacation event for people from the Chinese mainland. Now, Milan's a ghost town. Because it's become the epicenter of a coronavirus outbreak in Europe. I genuinely believe that China has begun to improve. And the fact that their air quality and their smoking rates are so negative may explain how why their country's been harder hit than what other countries that do get the coronavirus will be. Yes, they could be a bit of a global outlier because of the unhealthy nature of their populace. But there's nothing preventing a tourist in Milan returning here with the virus. That's my top of mind worry. I take that plane all the time. Lands at JFK. I don't know. Do you want that? that, It's going to happen. I mean, I don't know how you stop people who are in Milan who might have the virus when they land here. Unfortunately, uh, there are areas that will not be hurt. Like much of software, especially cloud-based software or social media, they haven't been able to penetrate the Chinese market anyway. And that's why those stocks might be actually the first ones to reach for tomorrow, even though everyone was pronouncing the death of Fang. Those people are probably going to be wrong. I'm hearing a lot of people getting excited about the oils. I can't get my head around that. We own BP for my travel choices. Well, you know what? It's got a solid and growing dividend yield. Unfortunately, that's not enough in a world where these oil companies and the gas companies have become priors. It's only going to get worse. The industrials were still rallying to this maelstrom as recently as last week. I mean, I think you can own one, but be aware. I think you're probably going to take a bit of a beating in it if the global economy doesn't get back on track. Final problematic group is the banks. When there's a big sell-off, the banks are never the place to go. They always act terribly. This time is because of the yield curve. Long-term interest rates are plummeting, which means the banks will have to once again rely very heavily on fee-based revenue. They can't make that much on loans. I'm betting the numbers need to be cut. Number cuts mean sell, actually sold to banks today for my travel trust that we own forever. With these parameters, okay, now I'm talking about the opportunity. I am always going to be opportunistic on the show, particularly because I was so darn negative for weeks. And remember, I came back for the Superboys I said, do not buy this rally. First, I like the Staples, classic defensive stocks. I like Coca-Cola and Mongolese, both of which reported excellent numbers. Their yields can save you here. They're what you buy in a slowdown, and we're getting a slowdown. Second, the drug stocks are looking pretty good. I'm still hopeful that Gilead may be able to cure this virus. Uh, but Merck and Eli Lilly and Johnson Johnson all make sense in the weakness. By the way, Moderna had some good news. They're going to be putting a, uh, a vaccine. And we had, remember we had them. We kind of like what they're doing. They're a vaccine into testing in April. I'm not as sanguine about the health insurers given the ascendance of Bernie Sanders as the likely Democratic nominee. As long as he's the front runner, that group will be hard to own. Third, I, you know what, the utilities, I know, they got, they've got they had such a run, but do you think about Dominion? It hasn't rallied as much as the other, letter D. Uh, you know, we've always liked American Electric Power and kind of ed, we're returning to those. Fourth, gold has more room to run, and I've got something on that later in the show. I wish I could be more optimistic about more groups. Not yet. I, I, I don't think it's worth the risk for many of them. For example, let me give you a class example. Nike, all right? I like Nike, but if Europe slows down, then I fear a second wave of number cuts on top of the first wave from China. I like the rails, but they haven't come down nearly enough. We're about to see a major slowdown in worldwide commerce. I like financial technology, but I think it's still too early to buy them because they have too much exposure to consumption. Consumption is going to slow. Last point. We've been up for ages, people. We've had a huge speculative surge last week in the stocks like the Plug Powers, the Ballad Powers, the Virgin Galactic, the Battleship Galactica, whatever. Marijuana cohort. Yeah, I know. Spice, space. You know what I mean. Uh, there was a ridiculous amount of froth. Okay, that's ending, bottom line. Don't try to be a hero. It's never worth it. By the way, there's no hurry. If you want to buy stocks in the weakness, take your time. Yeah, you're Warren Buffett this morning. He's in no rush. And if you don't have any enough cash, well, you know what? I, I, how about the bounce tomorrow? Sell the stocks that I've just described as being too toxic. Move into some more defensive plays, and I think you'll do fine. But stay the course. Don't, don't start selling big now. D in Virginia, D.
1: Booyah, Jim! This is D in Virginia, longtime listener and caller too. Oh, thank you. How
3: are you doing? I I had a good day, had a good weekend. Coming in hot. What's up?
1: Awesome. So. Uh, with everything that's going on now with the coronavirus and the airline stocks are going down, especially all the news today, I wanted to see, is this a good time to take advantage? Is Southwest still a buy for my long-term stock portfolio? I, I
3: think you've got to wait a little bit more because this morning, Becky Quick, in an amazing interview, I wish other people at the network had watched. I don't know if anyone else was saying how great it was because i got to tell you, it was fabulous. She asked Point Plan. She asked him, give my Southwest there. He said no. There's fluff in there, fluff in that stock. People think he does want to buy it. He's not. I don't want to recommend that stock that goes below 50. All right, let's go to John in New Hampshire. John. Hey, Jim. Uh, My question
0: is about Disney. Um, so after its recent earnings, uh, which they ended up beating our expectations, the stock dropped by about 8%. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I was just curious if this slump is due to the coronavirus or if the stock yeah, it's, is it, it, it due has to the parks. Its,
3: it's the parks. And I told members of the Travel, uh, Travel Trust, uh, you know, this is uh, I'm talking about AxelorsBus.com, that I said, look, you know, it's going to come in. It's going to come in. It has to come in. People haven't cut numbers yet. Boy, what a natural thing to buy. You imagine if that stock got down to one hundred and twenty. how great that would be. Let's go to Bob in New York. Please, Bob. One heck of a day, huh, Jim? Yeah, hey, you know, I'm looking at this Moderna going up after the close, Bob. And you know, They say they may have a vaccine. We like them. They should come on the show. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I've been a follower of yours since your days back at WOR Radio back in the day. Holy cow. Oh, right. Pop loved that show. Holy cow. He loved that show. What's up? <laughs> Listen. Uh, Over the years, you've had an investment philosophy for certain stocks, and that philosophy was own, don't trade. Yes. I own one of those stocks and don't intend on selling it. Do you still support own, don't trade for Microsoft? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I was thinking if I were a young person and I missed the move, you're, going to get, you're getting your chance to get back into Microsoft. You do it gingerly. and Nadella is doing an amazing job. That's an opportunity. I'm so glad you brought it to our attention. Let's go to Jim in Michigan, please. Jim.
1: Hey, Jim. Big boo out to you from me and my Michigan Wolverines.
3: Oh, man. You and Adam Schefter. What's up? Not much, man. Hey, I got a question. Uh, under global situations and the presidential race, I want to know what your thoughts are on LMT, Lockheed Martin. I think it's good, but you're getting an opportunity to buy L3 Harris. That's what you want, L3 Harris Technologies. I think it's superior to the stock of Lockheed Martin. I'm very excited about that Moderna, that they're doing it right, because Tony Fauci seems to be on board. I'm sorry to just be sidetracked, but when you get any good news in this moment, don't you have to talk about it, because it was a brutal day. I don't want you to be here. I want you to take your time buying the weakness. But we're almost done the selling. I don't want you to keep selling down here unless you need the cash. I want you to swap out of the toxic groups into some more defensive plays. Look, there's plenty of time. We'll be picking industrials. And I'm not against FANG, okay? I'm not against FANG. I'm with FANG. We have money tonight. Markets finally taking the coronavirus seriously. Amen. So after today's tumble, what should your next move be? And let leave room for if we start getting cases here. Don't make a move before hearing my take. Then gold was able to rally today. Precious is hitting a seven-year high. Is, is there still time to consider the precious metal? And the coronavirus is putting remote working to the uh, to the test. But I am talking to one of the companies that's helping companies do remote contact center work. Don't miss my exclusive with F59. with five, nine, It's a very interesting situation. And stay with Kramer. Don't miss
1: a second of Mad Money. your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card it's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases that's the powerful backing of american express learn more at americanexpress.com/businessgoldcard. business gold when you're hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
3: Why is everybody panicking about the coronavirus? I warned you this would happen for weeks now. But at the end of the day, this disease is very similar to the flu, except it's easier to catch. And when you filter out those victims with compromised lungs from bad air and smoking, only slightly more lethal. Uh, What makes it so scary then? First and foremost, we're now in the second month of the outbreak, and we know very little about this virus. Why not? Because the Chinese government either hasn't chosen to tell us, or they're just as clueless as we are. Thanks to the dissembling and the sheer incompetence from the Chinese Communist Party, we don't have a clear sense of the actual number of people who even have the virus. We don't know the real death rate, or, or certainly for healthy people, say ones with diabetes, or people with pre-existing respiratory problems with the elderly. We're so in the dark that otherwise reasonable people are capable of believing some really out-there stuff. We've heard conspiracy theories about how this disease was man-made, that it somehow escaped the lab that was in Wuhan, and could be much more virulent than we think, like the superflu in Stephen King's The Stand. I think that's unlikely, but in the absence of reliable information, these kinds of stories are a lot easier to swallow. Now, I've been incredibly critical of the Chinese government, not the people, but the government. The oppressive government with its boot on their necks, much more critical than most people who come on television. The People's Republic of China is an authoritarian dictatorship, and authoritarian regimes are rarely good at handling crises. Remember Chernobyl? When your government spends far more money on the military than it does on public health or infrastructure, well, you're going to have trouble dealing with the pandemic. That's why I've been so confident that the market would eventually sell off like it's now doing, because Wall Street was in denial about the scale of the problem. When you don't trust the Chinese government, it's hard to believe that they can maintain their initiatives when they tell people to get back to work before it's safe to. If you don't believe their back-to-work story, then it's hard to convince yourself the global economy will be able to bounce back from this quickly and we won't have a slowdown. That's why I don't think this tip is viable for most stocks yet. We're still not done pricing in the impact of the coronavirus for many sectors because just when it seems like China actually may be slowing the growth of the virus, now pops pops up all over the place. Could the U.S. be next? Reasonable question. In sum, you need to accept that we've never seen anything like this, at least not in living memory. This is a situation where we're worried about our own safety while trying to make money in the stock market. We're trying to find masks that work. Most of them don't, unless you get the 3M kind, while searching for bargains. No wonder investors are so scared. So like I told you at the top of the show, if you don't have enough cash sitting on the sidelines, you might want to use the next bounce, which may actually come tomorrow, to sell the stocks that are right in the blast zone of this outbreak. Then you can start thinking about putting that money back to, in next leg down to good stocks. At the end of the day, it's very hard to call this a buying opportunity when we simply don't know enough about the source of the problem. I'll feel a lot more confident once we have a better handle on the actual coronavirus. But we're not there yet. And what countries it stops at, nobody knows. Brutal day, but I've got your back. We'll get through it together like we always do. It's and quick.
2: Hey there, I'm Brad. I'm about to win the Tuesday Night Bowling League Championship. I'm also a highway worker for the Ohio
1: Department of Transportation. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I can bowl the winning strike with my buddies. Remember, they're not just roadside workers. Thank you for moving over and slowing down. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals... To academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
3: Now, at last, that Wall Street's finally taking the coronavirus outbreak as serious as I thought they should have. I told you you the other shoe would drop. What the heck are we supposed to do? Well, I told you earlier at the top of the show, stocks are a free fall. And I think we could have more downside because the economic implications of this pandemic are enormous. And you notice I call it a pandemic because I actually like truth on the show. But you know what actually managed to rally today? Gold. Now, there's a reason I'm always pushing the precious metals insurance policy against economic chaos. By the way, from the day the show started in 2005, I've said gold, gold, gold. When investors are worried that everything's falling apart, they hide in gold as the ultimate safe haven. Sure enough, last year, gold prices broke out above $1,400 an ounce for the first time in years. And the recent spike has taken us over $1,600 for the first time since 2013. In the past 12 months, it's up more than 25%. Now that stocks are being hammered, the precious metal, it keeps climbing. I don't think it's done. What's driving this bull market and gold and what should you do about it if you don't already own some? It's not just that gold is a safe haven. Remember, it started running before anybody knew the coronavirus even existed. For most of last year, the stock market was very strong and not too volatile. That that should be bad for gold, right? Well, we also had a generally strong dollar, also bad for gold because it's priced in dollars. So what in the world ignited this move? Simple interest rates. When rates go down, when rates really go down like they are now, gold becomes more attractive. That's often because, by the way, lower rates are a sign that the economy may be slowing down, something that the bond market has been signaling for a while, even if we really don't know why. And now that the coronavirus is spreading all over the globe, long term rates have plunged to record lows. When bond, yields, uh, uh, when bond yields are down so low that they're next to nothing, they're less appetizing as an alternative to gold, which of course yields nothing at all. Can the precious metal keep climbing? On Friday, the Street.com's residential chartist, someone I love very much. Bruce Kamich took a look at the technicals and concluded that this gold rally has genuine staying power. Gold's still in an uptrend, and the Moving Average Convergence Divergence, or MACD, indicator, an important momentum gauge, recently made a bullish crossover, just recently, which is uh, one of the most reliably positive signals in the book. A lot of people suggested that gold might hit a wall when it gets closer to $17 an ounce. Kamich thinks that's nonsense. This rally's been many years in the making, so he doesn't expect bulls to start ringing the register at the first sign of sustained strength. Now, if Kamish is right, and I think he's going to be right, and gold's got more room to run, what are some stock ways to play it? All right, look, you can always go with the GLD. That's the gold ETF if you want to keep it simple. Nothing wrong with keep it simple. But my favorite way to play this is with Barrick Gold. That's the company created by the merger of the old Barrick and Rangold Resources. And that happened near the end of 2018. From the minute I learned about this deal, I have been a fan, in part because Rangold CEO Mark Bristow now runs the entire combined enterprise. They own five of the world's top 10 tier uh, one-gold assets, they have the lowest total cash costs of the larger gold miners, and they're, generally speaking, they're a superior operator with a lot more scale. We spoke with Mark Bristow last March, and he told a very compelling story that we wholeheartedly supported since then Barrick's giving you a magnificent nearly 75% gain. In short, this high-quality gold miner has massively outperformed the precious metal itself. How did they do it? With production growth, that's how. The only thing better than getting a higher price for your product is getting... A higher price while you pull more of it out of the ground. Earlier last year, Barrick forecast 5.1 to 5.6 million ounces of production for 2019. That's a lot. In the end, they delivered 5.46 million near, near the high end of guidance. Oh, isn't that classic Mark Bristow under promise and overdeliver. Now, the big breakout in Barrick stock came earlier this month when the company reported an excellent quarter. The company's got a lot going forward here, including a major joint venture with Newmont Mining in Nevada, by joining forces, they've created the world's largest gold mining complex, something that they've been trying to make happen for two decades. Since then, the price of gold has only gone higher, and that makes Barrick even more attractive. The company plans to update its 10-year production plan next month, and I think Mark Bristow, which I hope people will come on and talk about it, will paint an incredibly bullish picture. In other words, it is not too late to buy Barrick gold. What else might work as a safe haven? I happen to like Kirkland Lake gold, which is a small miner. People like some of these smaller miners, a little more aggressive. We, we heard from them a little over a year ago. I can't believe it was that long. The stock's up about 36% since then, better than the averages, but not as good as Barrick. What's held it back? All right, Kirkland actually surged up to a record high in September before the company announced its acquisition of the aptly named Detour Gold. That's a mid midsize operator with a pretty spotty track record. While the deal was supposed to boost Kirkland's net asset value by 24%, Buying an inconsistent miner added a whole new level of uncertainty here and scared many investors away. We've seen too many mining companies have problems. Uh, Wall Street loves simplicity, and the detour acquisition made Kirkland more complicated. However, now think about this: the stock's now pulled back more than twenty percent, and that's since that detour deal was announced. That's ludicrous. It's a gold miner, for heaven's sake. Price of golds flying. Doubling down on production looks like a pretty smart call to me, especially now that the precious metals are sixteen sixty. That's why Kirkland Lake rallied nearly 1% today. I, I like this. I, it's got more Kirkland Lake. On the other hand, on the other hand, I would avoid Agnico Eagle Mines, at least for the moment. Okay, I know I've been recommending it. This is kind of like Viacom, all right? Viacom's screwed up. It's my fault. I recommend it. I mean, you can, can't blame me. I didn't run Viacom to the ground, but I liked it. I believed. I was wrong. I believed in Agnico Eagle. That's why Sean Boyd's going to have to come on the show. He talked a good game back in November. He pointed out how his company had made major investments in the pipeline when prices were lower, telling us they were now seeing the benefits. I felt pretty darn good about it, which is why it was so disappointing when the company reported a not-so-hot quarter a couple weeks ago sent the stock plunging 15% in a single session. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We'd love to have Sean Boyd back on the show to help us figure out what's going on here. But until we have more clarity, I can't recommend a Nico Eagle here, not when Barrett Gold has a much cleaner story. And you may just say, well, Jim, you liked it high and now you don't. Well, no, the story changed. I'm fallible, for heaven's sake. I believed. I believed Boyd. I believed that guy backish. Sometimes I believe. My bad. I should be more critical. Sorry. The bottom line. I know this was a painful day for many of you with market plumbing, but if you had some gold exposure, well, it limited the damage, kind of like auto insurance. That's why I've been urging you to own gold as an insurance plate for ages. It's a policy, whether it's the actual metal or GLD or high-quality minor like Barrick or Kirkland Lake. Even if this move, it's not too late to get yourself some gold exposure. George in California, George. Kramer, booyah, dabba, do to you. How you doing? Man, I couldn't be better. How about you? I'm pretty good. Um, I was calling
2: to ask you about FCX. Um, over the past couple of years, they've gotten rid of uh, a
0: lot of their debt for some bad investments. Right. Um, they did get rid of their dividend, um, but I I feel that the copper might be a little bit uh, safer with uh, the the dip that we're going to be taking, or I think we
2: will. What is your wisdom say? Uh,
3: you know, I'm not I'm not as big a fan. I mean, the company is just. It's not distinguished itself for a very long time and frankly uh, I think it's time to throw in the towel if you like it. There's just better things to do. I'm sorry. I wish I could be more positive. How about Tom in New Jersey? Tom. Hi, Jim, yeah, Tommy from New Jersey. All right, Tommy, what's how up? How are you? I'm right. What's up with uh, you? I just recently went into cash. Okay. I'm about ninety percent into cash. Wow, it's heavy. Is that the is that the right benchmark at this time? Tommy, how old are you? How old's Tommy? All right. Well, here's the deal, Tom. I mean, unless you're like an octogenarian, I don't want that. You got that cash. That's terrific. You can go in and you can start buying tomorrow. But you know what? Right now you're earning nothing on that cash. And like I said, unless you're like you need that money now. You have got to start buying something. It is going to be painful tomorrow. It always is, and if it's not painful tomorrow, I'm painful the next day. And when you see about someone landing from Milan, from Malpensa Airport, to here, and they have it, and they got through whatever ridiculous little cordon we have, you're going to say, you know what? Voila! I got the cash, and you'll have the edge of this. Today was brutal. If you had some gold, well, that's a limited damage. Even after this, it's not too late to get some gold exposure. Much more I may have money at, it, including my exclusive with five nine. The company's Cloud Contact Center where they're partnered with Zoom Video help function help make you uh, save money in a coronavirus world, I'm gonna sit down with the CEO. By the way, I'm also gonna be talking to Deluxe to see how the 105-year-old company that invented the checkbook is reinventing itself in an uncertain market because checks ain't moving. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the lightning round. So stay with Framer. Okay. Absolute wicked day. Dow closing down more than a thousand points. It begs the question, what companies are actually immune to the coronavirus carnage or actually maybe doing better? Many of the cloud-based software names should do, I think, just fine. I think they might be worth buying into weakness. Take 5.9, which provides cloud-based software for contact centers. We know 5.9's in good shape. Why? Because they just reported a terrific quarter last Wednesday night, a substantial top and bottom line beat, very strong guidance for both the full year and the next quarter. Unfortunately, 5.9 reported right before the market started rolling over. Its stock is now down more than 8% since we got those bullish numbers. Uh, Crucially, though, it was only down 1.3% in today's bloodbath, which tells me this one might be nearer a bottom than others. So let's take a closer look with Rowan Trollope. He's the CEO of Five9. We've had him on before. We're more about the quarter where his company's headed. Welcome back to That Money. Thank you, Jim. All right, Rowan, in the, the new no handshake, yeah. whatever. <laughs> okay, here we go. 34% growth uh, in the key enterprise subscription revenue numbers. Uh, 28% increase in revenues. These are some of the most magnificent numbers. Obviously, your your product's in great demand.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, companies like TeleDoc is a great example. Remote doctors use our service, about 500 seats. Uh, so people don't even have to go into the doctor. They can call in or text in or message. So those kind of companies are really seeing the benefits of our platform. And
3: that story's a good one because initially they didn't have you. There were real glitches. And they had they brought you in. And then you saw a spike in their own sales.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, virtual, the whole, the whole be- one of the big benefits of the virtual contact center is your agents can be anywhere. Right. They can be at home. And so as I think about what what might happen over the coming weeks and months, you know, that certainly seems to be one big benefit of of moving on to the cloud.
3: But I thought it was kind of like Zoom video, but, you know, you need to have contact centers. and we can't necessarily have everybody in a crowded hall. Now, you have an outfit that people don't understand. You're going to put it in context for us. Deloitte, which I regard as maybe one of the most important behind-the-scenes company, is suggesting you. Yeah, people need help.
2: Yeah, Deloitte's been with us for years, and they have really built a practice around Five Nine. the whole The whole team over there has done a great job because what they're seeing is big companies going through digital transformations, where customer service becomes the number one priority, and they need to bring in a a cloud based contact center solution to help them with that transformation. So we're we're on we're in a lot of joint accounts, and they've been a phenomenal partner. We're seeing a lot of interest now. Uh, following in their footsteps from uh, s- companies like Slalom, a Salesforce specialist consultant, EY, uh, Accenture,
3: etc. Right. Now, also, uh, I think that people may not even realize t- uh, that DoorDash is you, which is yeah. a gigantic client. Yeah, DoorDash, Grubhub, there's definitely some of
2: these. You Think about these guys that have huge spikes. Right. Friday night, people are ordering food. Uh, it's those kind of environments where you need the, 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 the scale and the flexibility of the cloud.
3: Okay, so I'm having a problem with my insurer right now, I have my health insurer, and I like them. And uh, first of all, I got, I got rooted to the Philippines, and mm-hmm. very nice people, but they could not help me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to get rooted back to with the insurer. Uh, the insurer is not one of your customers. Uh, if I had run into one of your customers, do you think there would have been an easier routing?
2: Yeah, generally, yes. I mean, so the when you're moving around between call centers or, yes. or locations, they tend to lose the context of what's happening that's with what the call. Happened. Yeah.
3: No one knew what the other person had told them.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And that's 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 the difficulty of integrating these things together. Last quarter we announced an acquisition of a company called Wendu which is an iPaaS platform, integration platform as a service. That, and that was driven by our large enterprise customers who are moving onto the cloud saying they want to fix those problems. Large enterprises say, God, i, I got all these back-end systems I need to integrate. How do I do it right. without have, hiring a bunch of developers and filing IT tickets? And integration platform as a service is point-and-click Connect your back-end system so we can fix those problems really, really easily. So that was one of the acquisitions we announced.
3: Well, I thought that was great. You did one other acquisition. You should mention it since I've seen you last because it sounded also very interesting. Yeah, Virtual
2: Observer, brand-new right. acquisition. We announced it on the earnings call last week on Wednesday night, as we, uh, Wednesday afternoon, as yeah. we mentioned. And they are a, uh, a, a call center efficiency product. So it's workforce management or workforce engagement management. And it's really about, okay, I've got a lot of agents. How do I help them be productive? How do I make sure that I'm delivering the right quality, uh, quality management, that kind of stuff. So, so that is a big TAM expansion play for Five9. And uh, we've already been selling their product to our customers. We have over 150 satisfied customers. So now we're bringing them into the Five9 family. Very excited about the virtual observer acquisition.
3: I was trying to figure out your relationship with Microsoft, because it's important But I didn't understand. You're clearly their partner. Um, They chose you? How does that work? Yeah, so so they
2: they haven't chosen us exclusively, to be clear. I didn't understand. But they're making a huge push, Jim, with with Microsoft Teams, with what they're now calling Teams UC, which is their telephony solution. And they understand as they sell those telephony solutions to their customers that they need a contact center to go with it because what they're replacing are these legacy on-premises hardware systems with their cloud offer, and those legacy on-premises hardware systems are tied to contact center solutions. So when they do that, they got to bring along a contact center vendor. So we've been right at the forefront of that with okay. them and with Zoom, by the way. It's our, our other biggest, probably our, our number one partner on the phone okay. side.
3: In the last time I wanted to mention was Zoom. Zoom's business is on fire. We had them on last week. They Eric say they amazing. can't handle a business. So you, I should presume that some of that's going to bleed into you.
2: Yeah, we're doing a a tremendous. We've been creating a tremendous partnership and a lot of synergy with Zoom. Eric and and I are
3: super aligned. How great is that guy? He is awesome. Everyone loves him. He is awesome. Well, it's terrific. I think you guys are. Look, okay, you just heard a story that is not part of what's going on around the world, but the stock could be brought down because it's part of the indices. You ought to think about this one. That's that's Rowan Trollope. He's the CEO of Five Nine. You look, DoorDash. Okay, Microsoft, Salesforce, TeleDoc, Zoom. These are the companies that you want to be allied with. have Money's back in you, buddy. Right? It is time. for the Light goes one of the receivers. of bye. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dime? time for the lightning round because we're going to start with Bill in Florida. Bill. Hey, Jim. Uh, I was wondering, uh, I'm looking at a, sto- a restaurant stock called Cracker Barrel. Right. Well, Cracker Barrel's been uh, a, a stock that I've liked literally forever. Uh, it's just up on a spike. Uh, If it comes down, I'd be a buyer. I know that it is deeply related to gasoline prices and also to travel, but that's okay. It's an inexpensive long-term holding. Let's go to Noah in Kentucky. Noah.
1: Hey, Jim. Do you think after this corona mess is over, IBM has room to run?
3: I I like the management changes. They're going heavily into the cloud, which is where I think they should be. It yields 4.4%, but it is not going to be the kind of stock that is just going to bounce right back because it's just not like that. It's a big enterprise company. Let's go to Drew in Pennsylvania.
1: Drew! Thanks for taking my call, Jim. Uh, i poem called about a company uh, just had great earnings and a 20% dividend increase. What are your thoughts on Texas Roadhouse? I was
3: shocked that that business is as good as it is, and I've got to tell you, if it comes down into coronavirus worries and we get a couple, an outbreak here... I want you to buy that. That was a really impressive quarter. That was their breakout quarter for and it will be that way for a long time. How about Alonzo in New York? Alonzo.
1: Hey, what's up, Jim? How's it going, big booyah? It to is you.
3: going well. How about you there?
1: Oh man, don't good, don't good. New York is fine. Hey, quick question It's PG and E, right? They kinda of went bankrupt. No, faster. no, no,
3: it's just too much of a mess. We gotta stick with the quality guy. How about AEP? You give me PG, I give you AE. Um, let's go to Anthony in New Mexico. Anthony,
1: <clears>
3: hey <throat> <clears> Jim. <throat> wow, was he calling from a <laughs> telephone booth? Yeah. No, sorry about that. That's I got right. uh, you. Yeah, right. You know, What's thanks for being a hero to the common investor. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, right. my stock is the top line beating Zix Corp. Z i x i. I don't know Zix. I I, I don't know that. Boy, but I, I don't I wish I knew it. I don't know it. Let's go to Doug in New York. Doug.
1: Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well,
3: Doug. The investor professor. I'm liking that. I like the doctor stuff too. Alright, um I just wanna know why um, the stock went off over a hundred percent
0: last week, which is stamp.com. That
3: was a pure short squeeze. It was part of the froth that we had last week. I don't want anything to do with it. I think it's time to ring and register and that ladies conclusion of the Lightning Round.
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: This hideous day for the averages. Dow plunging more than one thousand points. What, this was the worst day in two years. Is there anything that might be worth picking? Is anything low enough? For the most part, you know, I said at the top of the show, not that many. But if you want to do some bottom fishing, maybe you need to look for stocks that were already well off their highs. Going into the self. maybe stocks like Deluxe Corp., the check-printing company that's increasingly become more of a play on payments and financial technology. Fifteen months ago, if getting clobbered in 2018, Deluxe fell a fellow by the name of Barry McCarthy. He's the CEO, and he's been building up his new team, trying to breathe new life into the business. For a while, it looked like the term was working. But then when Deluxe reported earlier this month, management kind of gave us a not-so-hot earnings forecast. Stock tumbled 12% single session. If the company can get its turnaround back on track, then the current carnage could be a buying opportunity. Now, the company ran the closing bell this afternoon ahead of their first analyst day in over a decade here in New York City tomorrow. I want to know what they have to say. Maybe we can get a little bit of feeling from that from Barry McCarthy, the president and CEO of Deluxe Corp. And let's find out how this company's
0: doing. Mr. McCarthy, welcome to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be with you. OK, so,
3: Barry, I know your company's a story company. I actually, when I was, uh, I guess, in 79 to 82, was one of my largest positions because I said, wait a second, we're going from cash to check. Obviously, we moved on from check. They're still growing. But you've got an analyst here tomorrow where you're really talking about four new segments that are very different from the deluxe that I do. I'd love you to walk us through them.
0: Absolutely, Jim. We are a really exciting transformation story, changing the company to become a trusted business technology company. Most folks would know us by our historic business, which was in check printing, but we're far more than that today, and we now have four businesses. We're operating the company in four businesses, which are really terrific businesses. Our payments business, a cloud services business, promotional products business, and checks. All of them are multi-hundred million dollar businesses with great margins and especially payments and cloud have terrific upside potential.
3: Well, I'm glad you mentioned those two because those are the two that get, of course, the highest price earnings multiples in this entire mm-hmm. market. You do have an amazing brand. I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to just be with you because we've all used you. So give me the, uh, what, you, what the opposition is saying when you go into sell and give me why you got three
0: huge deals. How did you win them? Do you know what? We are very fortunate that we have an incredibly trusted brand. We're one of the few companies on the planet that major financial institutions trust with personally identifiable information. So it gives us a a huge advantage as we go forward and try to sell our product and service. But as I've been in talking with our customers, many of them don't know all that we do. As a matter of fact, most of them know us for one product or service. And today, less than 40% of our volume and our revenue comes from checks. The rest comes from these other segments. They want to do more business with us. We just have to do a better job of telling them our story. And that's what our investor day is really about tomorrow. Tell them the fantastic story we have around payments and cloud promotional products. Okay,
3: you've won some gigantic pieces of business. Just give us an example of one and why you won it, because it is a bit of a cross sell. You're in already. Everyone knows to trust your brand. It's one of the greatest names. How did you expand into the next leg?
0: You know, we're very, very proud of these deals. They're the three of the largest 10 deals of the last decade for our company. And we got them closed just a few months after organizing ourselves to sell our product and service. One of them happened to be with Synchrony Financial. We took over their lockbox operation and their treasury management. Same thing with Fiserv. But perhaps even more exciting or as exciting was our entry into the Canadian market, helping CIBC with their check business and opening the door to so much more.
3: Right now, one of the companies that we know you're affiliated with that we've been proud of since it's been $8 a share is Salesforce. You were out, I think, at at Dreamforce. What what kind of partnership
0: is that? How's it producing revenue? You know, we announced our, our, our relationship with them today. And we are reselling the Salesforce Essential product to our customers. To give you some perspective of the sense of scale, our business supports 4 million or more small businesses annually, over 4,000 financial institutions and hundreds of the largest global brands. By bringing the Salesforce Essential tools to our customers, we add another product to our arsenal to help our customers succeed over their entire life cycle, whether they need corporation services, whether they want to manage their business for faster growth, we have a solution at many steps along the way, and the Salesforce relationship is one more piece of that, an important part of our overall story.
3: I thought it was interesting. You really tried to distinguish yourself from the past, the acquisitions, not a lot of, not a lot of organic growth. You seem to be bent on getting the actual organic growth that Wall Street really wants, and I know your customers want, too. This is a big change of pace. Can you, uh, can you deliver on this, sir?
0: You know, absolutely. So uh, the company historically would grow over its uh, secular declines and things like check by spending hundreds of millions of dollars on acquisitions every year. That was effective in expanding the company and diversifying the revenue stream. But the opportunity we have now is to integrate all of those acquisitions, more than 50 over the last seven years, and put together a comprehensive story about how we help businesses succeed. So instead of being an acquisition-driven story that takes hundreds of millions of dollars of capital, we're moving to be a sales-driven story. And that's why we are so excited about the results we're having just out of the gates with a brand new team, new strategy, and we're putting these kind of points on the board, three of the top ten deals in the last decade. Excellent. The return, the return on invested capital is going to be incredible, and we, uh, we've, got lots of, we've got lots of evidence here of success. All
3: right. Well, look, Barry, thank you so much for coming to the show. Best of luck at your Meeting tomorrow. Thank you very much. Of course. That's Barry McCarthy, President, CEO of Deluxe. DLX, let's see what they have to say at the analyst meeting. Stock us down a lot. Maybe this is an opportunity. Stick with Kramer. Don't go anywhere. My friend Brian Sullivan has every angle of this brutal sell off covered in a CBC special report starts right after this. Moderna, interesting news about a vaccine. I am positive about Moderna. I've liked them. You know, I also like Gilead. And by the way, we saw something really interesting. We thought Hewlett-Packard reported a very good number, HP after the bell. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The CNBC special reports market and turmoil starts now.
0: Hi, I'm Josie. My daughter turns five today. I'm also an Ohio State Highway Patrol trooper. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I can get home to celebrate with my daughter.
1: When you see flashing lights, remember, they're not just roadside workers.
3: Thank you for moving over and slowing down.